Hello and welcome to the podcast for Lansing Avenue Baptist Church in Jackson, Michigan. This is Pastor Steve Sebring, and I'd like to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. This week it's 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1-6, through 6, entitled, Armed with the Mind of Christ. <clears throat> uh, before I get into the message, I'd like to remind you that we have a Facebook page and website, labcjackson.org, and in both of these places you can contact us, uh, let us know how you're doing, what we can pray for for you, uh, ways that we can encourage you in your walk with Christ. Uh, we would love to get to know you, and I know that the folks here uh, would be uh, a loving help in your life. Uh, again, we're in 1 Peter chapter 4 this week, uh, 1 through 6 in chapter 4. And this will be about, as I said, the, the title, Armed with the Mind of Christ, about mindset, about attitude that the believers to have and attitude and mindset are are hugely important for all areas of life they affect so much about how we handle situations good and bad there are illustrations and stories and sayings that help us with this there's a a common one that's helpful you know it's whether you think you can or think you can't you're probably right and it talks about our our attitude there and how how much it affects our ability to handle situations, again, good and bad. Uh, maybe you've heard the, the old story, the little engine that could, and he, as the train engine was going up the hill saying, I think I can, I think I can, that attitude was able to help him to get through that situation. I ran across a, a story of a woman, I'm sure it's not a real story, but just to help, uh, of a woman who woke up one day and, and she had been losing her hair and realized she only had three hairs on her head. And she looked in the mirror and with a smile says, well, looks like I'm going to braid my hair today. The next day she wakes up and there are only two hairs. I said, well, looks like I'm going to do a part today. And then the next day she wakes up and looks in the mirror and there's only one hair. I said, well, ponytail today. And the next day, you probably guessed it, she wakes up and looks in the mirror and no hair. And with a smile she says, well, looks like I don't have to do my hair today. That, in that we see just a, a silly reference for us to think on the, the, the attitude this lady had to be able to handle what was in front of her. And she went about and had a great day, even though many of us would whine and complain and have a harder time with that. But our attitude, our mindset is hugely important. And alongside that is this, this challenge here that Peter gives these, his readers, uh, these churches that are in what now today we would call Turkey. These were Gentile churches, people going through hardships and persecutions, as we see in other parts of the book. And we see they needed encouragement. He's been encouraging them, uh, first off, with their salvation, that they have hope in their inheritance because they have trusted in Christ to be forgiven of sin, that they have this wonderful inheritance that cannot be taken away from them, that will not be corrupted, that they can look forward to seeing their Savior in heaven. He also encourages them that God doesn't just leave us on our own for the time in between, but he gives us guidance for how we're to live this life and go through the struggles of this life. Because as disciples, we are not promised an easy ride. In fact, it's more the opposite. That we're told things are going to be tough. You know, Paul even tells uh, his disciple Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 that you know, all who live godly will suffer persecution. It's just a part of it. And Jesus tells his disciples in John 15, 
that the world hates me, so the world is going to hate you. So there's going to be hardship, there's going to be struggle and persecution, and we at different times in different areas of the world experience that in different ways and different intensities. Uh, Certainly there are folks in different parts of the world now that see persecution at a much harsher level than we are seeing it right now uh, here in the U.S., but certainly we can look at our culture around us and see that persecution is coming, it's going to get worse, but... Peter encourages his readers here, as we'll see in in chapter 4, verse 1, that they can arm themselves with the mind of Christ. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. That's chapter 4, verse 1. Since Jesus suffered for us in the flesh, as we saw back in chapter 3, 18 through 22, you should arm yourself with the same mindset he had in his suffering. We see in that section there, 18 through 22 of chapter 3, which is closely connected with this passage, that Jesus is that ultimate example of how to go through suffering. That he went through it with humility, with faithfulness, with obedience. He remained righteous throughout the whole thing. Because of that, it's used greatly. And through that suffering, we can be brought to God. Again, his suffering... Uh, includes him dying on the cross for man's sin, to pay our debt, to take away our guilt, and includes him rising again from the death to conquer death, so that through faith we can be forgiven and made whole, be given a home in heaven forever. So his his suffering, again, his his mindset in that suffering, is the example we are to follow. And every one of us is going to have good days and bad days, every one of us is going to have uh, trials and struggles, and every one of us is going to face some level of persecution. And we should equip ourselves, that word arm there is to, you know, to get ready, to arm yourself, to equip yourself with this tool, and that tool is this mindset, this attitude, this way of looking at things. Equip yourself with the mindset that Christ had, that God can use this suffering, God can use this persecution, that At the end of all of this, I get to be rewarded in heaven. There is more. There is a bigger picture to all of this. And as Jesus took on his suffering, as he would even pray in the garden, that, you know, Father, let this cup pass from me. But still, with that request he made humbly to the Father, he still says, but your will, not mine. That he humbled himself, he obeyed the Father's will, And he did that to please his Father, and he did that out of love for you and me. And so we can be so thankful for that attitude we get to see in Christ as that perfect example for us on how to deal with suffering in this world, in this life. We can go through it with obedience, we can go through it with faithfulness, we can go through it righteously, patiently, humbly, because Christ has given us that example. And so you and I must arm ourselves with that mind of Christ, to be ready to go through suffering just as he did. And so we might even see God work through our suffering to draw us closer to himself, to be an example for others, for God to be able to show others how gracious and kind he is, uh, to see the great hope that we have. In fact, we've already, already seen at First Peter that we ought to be ready to even answer for the hope that we have. 
that the way that you go through life ought to cause people to think, man, what is so great in this person's life that they can go through a trial with joy? What is so great that they can be hated and mocked by some but still love those who hate and mock them? What is going on there? We should live in such a way that we stand out, as we'll see that in this passage as well. But arm yourself, equip yourself with the same mind that Christ had in his suffering. And we're going to see a couple of reasons that we should do that here in this passage. And the first one we'll see in verses 1 through 3. Arm yourself with the mind of Christ because suffering purifies a believer's life. Uh, Just go back to chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Peter gives an important principle here to these readers that the person who has suffered in the flesh and done so righteously, they have made a clear break from sin. That they've made an obvious and clear choice that's evident in their life that they are going to serve Christ rather than their own natural desires, rather than uh, the temptations that are there. Now, this isn't saying that you know a person who suffers is perfect, because of course that is not not the case, and we won't be perfect until heaven. But, but it means that there's a clear break in this person's life that I am not going to serve sin. I am not going to to serve my you know my old self. I am not going to serve my natural desires. I'm going to serve my Savior. And suffering has a way of making a person think about that choice. When we get comfortable, when we get lazy, it's easy for us to allow things to creep in and let lines get blurred, but suffering makes us make a choice. Suffering makes us think about what's most important. It makes us think about uh, whether or not we are dependent on our God and, and if we really do want to please him. And so it has a, a purifying effect on the believer to draw him closer to God, to, uh, to draw him or, or her uh, deeper into God's word, to, to make him or her think more about you know, what drives us, what's important to us. He who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And Peter expands on this in verse 2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but... For the will of God. That he's not driven by, he's not guided by, motivated by uh, his old self anymore. Those natural desires we all have. And every one of us has these natural desires. And some are just uh, regular natural desires, need to sleep, eat, and all that stuff. But there's a natural desire in man to be free from all authority. To be free from God. To have his... you know. Uh, wants met immediately to have these things that uh, he wants to serve himself. These are uh, natural desires of our old nature. And they, are, they are powerful, but we are told here that we are not to live by them, not to be driven by them. Uh, in fact, if you go back to chapter 2, verse 11, Peter tells him to abstain from these worldly lusts, that, uh, or fleshly lust, he puts it. They war against the soul. They are not good for you. They tear you down. They make it uh, difficult and impossible to serve your Savior. So don't be driven by that. And that's what we see here. The, the one who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, and that 
He's been made to make that choice on what drives him, on what motivates him. And so I should arm myself with the mindset of Christ about suffering, that you know, in the end, God will have the victory, that God can use this in great ways, that God can you know, help me to grow through this, God can you know, use my example and his teaching through my life to even impact someone else so that they might come to know him. In fact, go back to chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. That's just what Peter says, that you, know, you should abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, and, and instead through your godly conduct that lead to others being able to give glory to God. And so I should arm myself with this mindset of Christ knowing the way that God can use that, knowing the way that that would change my my life. Now, we're not reveling in suffering. We're not looking for, for suffering and trials. But when they come, we are armed with Christ's mindset that the way we look at ourselves, the way that we look at God, the way that we look at our circumstances, in those things we are prepared to faithfully, obediently, and righteously serve our God through them. That will be like Paul in, in Philippians chapter 4, where he said that, you know, I have learned to be content. I have learned how to have a little. I've learned to have a lot that he had learned. And so when, it, when things were taken away from him, he was okay because he had Christ. And when he had a lot, he was okay because he had Christ. He had learned how to be content. And you and I, we are called here to arm ourselves with this mind of Christ, to be prepared that we are drawn close to him, that we see uh, see God clearly, uh, that we see ourselves as God sees us, that we see his word as he sees it, and sees his world as he sees it, so that we are armed with his mindset, looking forward to the future, knowing where our hope truly lies and where our joy and satisfaction truly are, ready and and ready to take on the, the suffering, the, the trials, the persecutions of the day. But Peter keeps going here in, in verse 3, that we've already seen that the one who is suffering the flesh, that it's caused him to make this choice, a clear break from sin, uh, seeing that that shows up and how he's not driven by his natural desires, but instead he's driven by the will of God, that I don't want to please myself, I want to please God. I want to do things his way. And then he gives more reason here in verse 3. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Then, In other words, and put it shortly, Peter says, we've spent enough time messing around with sin. We've had enough sin for this life. And so let us arm ourselves with the mind of Christ, that we are going to righteously, obediently, patiently, and humbly walk through this, serving our God. That we don't need to mess around with, with the sin of this world. We've, we've already had our fill. Uh, and really, uh, one is too much for us. But there are going to be many who take part in these things, and that's going to be a part of what he does in the next few verses. But for now, to, to stop and think, are you and I, are we arming ourselves with the mindset of Christ, knowing that it's much better for us to go through suffering being guided by God's word, than it is for us to continue in sin, than it is for us to you know, respond to suffering by running from God, by finding comfort in the things of this world. Let us run to God. Let us find comfort in him. Let us see the bigger picture, that the suffering that's going on in my life, however big or small, 
that it will help me to learn and grow, it will draw me closer to God and dependence on him, and can also be used by God as a ministry to others. And so this mindset that we're to have helps us, again, see that bigger picture of what's going on as, as Christ did. He went through that suffering knowing what God would accomplish through it. And so again, he went through it patiently, faithfully, uh, obediently, righteously, and, and with love as we ought to do in whatever suffering we face. We ought to recognize that we are in a, in a spiritual battle, and we should be called to you know, make this choice. Who will you serve? Because we cannot serve two masters. We, we must serve our Savior. We cannot, uh, for the most part, serve ourselves, and then from time to time do some God-type stuff and be okay. But we're to give him our life. We're to serve him faithfully, to arm ourselves with his mindset, knowing that we are in a spiritual battle, knowing that there will be hardships and trials and persecutions. And we should also not only know those things are coming and be willing to deal with that, but we should know that there's a privilege for us to be a part of what God is doing. Paul in Philippians chapter 1, towards the end of the chapter, even, even talks about this, that it's a privilege for us to serve our Savior, to suffer on his behalf, as, and to be partakers with him in that. Just to think on um, what a joy and privilege it is to serve our Creator, our Savior, to be on his side in a spiritual battle, knowing the victory he's going to have, to know that we're a part of something much, much bigger than ourselves. What a privilege and joy it is for us to to have that mindset and to be able to see it that way and what a help it will be for us to go through that. I know, I know there are folks in our church that we've been able to see family and others and themselves go through great hardship, whether that's you know, a lot of health stuff or family things or finances. And I know we've got a good number of examples in our church of people who have been faithful and even in the midst, I know I've had you know, people see them in the hospital, and even while they're in the hospital and in and out and frustrated with how long it's going, they're still, you know, let me tell you about what God's doing here, would be their attitude. That they would want to rejoice. They would want to praise the Lord for how he was at work. And that's the heart, that's the attitude that, that we're to have. That whatever's going on, I'm going to continue to love my God. I'm going to continue to praise and thank my God knowing of the great wonders and the great uh, gift he has for me and the great future I have with him. Again, that's big picture thinking. That's the mind of Christ, uh, the mindset, the attitude of Christ at work. So arm yourself with that mindset, knowing that the suffering you face will have great effect on your life, can purify your life, can cause you to make that choice for him. This leads us, verse 3, as, as, as that talked about, the, the ways of this world, the ways that many people do things, uh, causes, leads us into verse 4. And verses 4 through 6 give us a second reason here that we must arm ourselves with the mind of Christ. And that is, arm yourself with the mind of Christ because those who judge you will be judged. I'm just going to read verse 3 again, leading into verse 4. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Verse 4, 
in regard to these, these, this list he just gave, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. That talking of this, these lusts, the parties, the, all the stuff that this world does, that is going to look strange when you, having made this choice to serve God and not your natural desires, it's going to cause you to look strange, and they're going to look at you like, why are you taking part in this? Uh, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, in the you know, a flood, how it just covers everything, and, and the dissipation, how it's widespread, that you don't take part in this thing that the rest of us all do, and you're the only one that doesn't. And I think we've, we've seen this, or many of you, if you've served Christ or followed Christ for, for a while, that you've probably had goofy looks, you've probably had questions, why don't you take part in this or that, and... Uh, that sort of thing. And the people of the world look at this and think, what is wrong with you? Why don't you do this? And in fact, it might even go further, like, do you think you're better than me? And they'll start to speak evil of you, to blaspheme you, as it says here. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. And maybe you've seen that in in your life. I know I've, uh, one example, I remember working one job and a crew I was working on, the guys you know, thought it strange I wouldn't look at a woman the same way they were. And in fact, it wasn't just that I wouldn't do that, uh, knowing that's not the way God wants you to look at a person, but they thought I was judging them and the fact that I just wouldn't do it with them. That they, I thought I was better than them. And that wasn't my, my thought, my attitude at the at all. I was just, I was doing my best to uh, to serve my Savior there as a, as a young Christian. But people look at you strange if you don't take part in the things of the world. And uh, you're strange, you think you're better than me, you're judging me, uh, and they will speak evil of you, that you are the one who is hateful, you are the one who is proud, you are the, the one who uh, is judgmental. Now, we're not to be judgmental. We are not to... Uh, look down on others because of the things they do. Now, we should be able to recognize sin, recognize righteousness, and encourage people toward Christ. But that doesn't mean we come down in pride, thinking we're better than them, we got figured out. But instead, it's, you know, I need Christ, and so do you. Uh, I desperately need forgiveness, and I know every one of us does too. And we come with humility and love. But still, the world may not interpret it that way. And so he's telling the folks here that there will be people who speak evil of you, even though you're doing the right thing. And you may be the, the, the lone one out as well. That they look and see that everybody else is doing this. It's everywhere, and we see that in the world around us now still. But we can be encouraged. We can arm ourselves with the mind of Christ. That Again, that faithful obedience through suffering because, verse 5, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. I, my job is not to judge that person. Now again, that doesn't mean I don't recognize sin. It doesn't mean I don't encourage them to, to know Christ and to change, uh, to have God work in their heart. I should do that. That's part of my, my job as a disciple. But I don't come down as a, as a judge, as myself being the end-all, be-all, the decider. Instead, I'm on the same side. I'm in the same boat as you. I am in desperate need of a Savior. And I allow 
God to be the one who judges. To know that even though we're going through this suffering right now, I know I am not responsible for what this other person is doing. I will answer for how I go through this situation. I will answer, did I go through it faithfully? Did I uh, remain righteous? Did I obey my God here? Was I like Christ through this? And that person will answer for what he or she is doing. So I'm not responsible for them. I'm responsible for me. And to know that I can be encouraged in that, that if I do well here, I will get to hear God say, well done. I will be glad that I obeyed him through this. I can also be encouraged that whatever else is going on, that God will set it right. Those who deserve to be judged uh, will be, or I could say that different, because all of us deserve separation from God, but in God's grace we can be forgiven. That, that, that this person, these wrongs will be set right, that God, every person will answer for what they've done. And I can be encouraged in that, that in the end God has victory. In the end, everyone will answer to him for one thing or another. Uh, believers will be get to, to stand before God and give an account for their works, uh, whether or not they are you know, gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. Some will be rewarded as their works were, were proven through fire to be valuable and uh, rightly, rightly done and motivated, and others, their works will be burned up and they will still make it into heaven, but as through fire or by the skin of their teeth. Unbelievers, people who have rejected Christ, will stand before God for judgment for eternity. The separation from God in a place called hell. And so they will give an account to him who is uh, ready to judge the living and the dead. So I don't have to judge that person. God will. So I can be encouraged in that. He will set things right. And so in this person, I am responsible for me and not them. But I should, instead of looking for a way to punish this person for what they're doing to me, I should do as Christ did. I should love my enemies. I should pray for God to be at work in his or her heart. I should uh, be an encouragement to this person in my attitude, my words, my deeds. I should look for a way to, to show them love. Now, there are you know, some ways it's more practical and, and direct than others, but we can love our enemies as Christ loved us. So again, God will be that judge, but I can be encouraged. And in the end, he will set things right. He will handle this. And so I can be righteous now because I know things will be revealed. Things will be set right one day. And Peter goes even further that here in verse 6 and talking about this, how uh, you know, that person who's persecuting can be changed, can be saved. Verse 6, For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh but live according to God in the Spirit. He talks about the, why the gospel is preached. It's preached so that those who are spiritually dead, those who are separated from God, might be right with God. So the gospel is there just for people like me who are desperately in need of a Savior. Just like It's there for that person who is you know, persecuting believers now. Paul the Apostle himself and First Timothy 1 talks about this, that he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, that he was this terrible person, but God got a hold of him. And because of that, he saw it as a great privilege to be in ministry, uh, that God decided to take Paul, this awful person, this enemy of his, and to save him, learn him, grow him, and put him into ministry. 
what a wonderful story and example for us of God's grace and love. And it's for this reason the gospel is preached, that those who are spiritually dead, that they might be alive to God in the Spirit, that they might be judged by men in this life rather than be judged by God in eternity. Since we could, this verse kind of puts it this way for us, that we are going to be judged one way or another. Are you going to be judged by man in this world because you look strange? Because uh, you live righteously? Because you separate from sin? Are you going to look, deal with the funny looks and, and maybe hateful words or even worse, physical punishment of some sort? Or even death? Are you going to take the punishment or the, the judgment of man? Or are you going to take the judgment of God, leading to separation for eternity? And as, as believers, we know we won't be separated for eternity, but I should arm myself with the mind of Christ, knowing that it's much better for me to you know, deal with a, a judgmental unbeliever, a person who thinks I'm strange because I follow Christ, than it is for me to hear my God say, what were you thinking? To, to hear my God say, why did you fall so short when I tried so hard to help you? Uh, that... Instead of him saying, you know, well done, it is what went wrong. That's much better for us to be judged in this life than, than to lose out on reward in the next. But we should arm ourselves with the mind of Christ, knowing the, the wonderful uh, good news of the gospel that, that we have, that we can be forgiven, and think of all that Christ has done for us, He certainly deserves for us to be faithful to him through whatever comes our way in this life. Jesus, in a couple of places in Matthew, talks about who we ought to fear and serve. In Matthew 10, 28, uh, he says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He's saying, don't be afraid of man, of people, because... The worst thing they can do to you is kill your body. Be afraid of of God. Fear God, not in a sense we run from God in fear, but recognize God as that powerful authority for us because he is the one who gives life. If we deny him, we reject him, then we are separated from him. That's eternal death, not just physical death. In Matthew five eleven through 12, Jesus says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I can serve faithfully now, knowing there is great reward in heaven, knowing that hearing my Savior say, Well done, will be a joyous time. And being able to spend that eternity with him will be wonderful to look forward to. In fact, that's what Paul the Apostle in Philippians, uh, again, in chapter 1, he says in chapter 1, verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Saying, while he was in, in in prison, waiting trial, whichever way it went would be great, because... To live, everything is about Christ. His whole life was wrapped up in Christ. He is his joy, his purpose, his motivation. So if he lived, he got to serve Christ. 
But if he would die, that would be gain because he would get to see Christ. That's to be our heart. That's to be our mindset. That's that mindset we're to arm ourselves with. And so arm yourself with that mindset of Christ to go through suffering in righteousness and obedience and humility and love and patience and kindness and all these wonderful things that Christ is. You know, we're going to deal with judgmental uh, treatment or mistreatment from a number of sources. It may be your government. It may be your neighbor. It may be people of other faiths or religions. It may be your family, your coworker, or whatever it might be. It may take the form of, you know, a funny look, uh, a, a joke, uh, exclusion uh, out of a group. It may take uh, you know, the form of even you know, imprisonment and even death. It could take many forms from all sorts of sources. But will you arm yourself with the mind of Christ, being committed to serve him faithfully, whatever may come, knowing that there's doing that is going to cause you to, to stand out in some ways. You know, we're going to look strange. Now the idea isn't, you know, Look strange for the sake of looking strange. Just try purposely to look weird. But the fact that we serve Christ and make that clean break from from sin as our as our master will just cause us to stand out. It will cause you to stand out in the things you don't partake in, uh, how you don't live by those natural desires, but instead you live by the will of God. It will make you look different. Uh, it will make you look different when you act like Christ through suffering, to see joy and kindness in your life. Uh, it will look different when you love your enemies, when you pray for and are kind to the people that hate you. These sort of things will cause you to stand out to those around you. That's the sort of strange that we're uh, looking for here. So let us arm ourselves with the mind of Christ that we will walk faithfully and patiently through whatever comes our way, knowing of the big picture, that we want to hear him say, well done. We want to be drawn closer to our God through whatever takes place in our life. We want God to be at work in us and even through us to use our example in other people's lives. So if I may go through suffering, it's it's hard to think for each of us because none of us want suffering, but... If that's what the Lord wills for me, then I will rejoice that he will draw me closer to himself. I will rejoice that he is able to use that example in other people's lives that you know, other people will be able to look and see, where does this person get his joy? Where does he have that hope? How can he go through this and still have that heart, that attitude? How can he deal with that and still treat these other people with kindness and humility and love? May God arm us, we, we help us to arm ourselves with this mind of Christ. That we would walk through blessing and suffering with patience, humility, kindness, love, obedience, righteousness, as Christ did. Let us arm ourselves with the mind of Christ. This is our message for this week from 1 Peter chapter 4. I hope it's a challenge and encouragement to you. So definitely weighty things in there to make you think about how you look at your Savior, how you look at your life and your situations in life. And it's a challenge for, for me as I think through it as, as well. Let us arm ourselves with that mindset of, of Christ, to think big picture, to think uh, about how God can work in us and through us.
And so if there's anything you'd like to, to talk about, whether it's something that's this message or uh, where you have questions about how you might know Christ or you have something going on in your life we can be a help with, uh, something we can pray about, uh, please contact us. Let us know. Uh, email may be the, the best or quickest way. Though We have our phone number there as well. Uh, you can even get a, hold of us, uh, uh, get a hold of us on our Facebook page. Uh, we'd love to, to talk with you, be there for you. And uh, we're all walking through this life, wanting to serve our Savior, uh, knowing we need his strength to do that. And so, uh, again, come get to know us. Let us be an encouragement to you. Let us know how we can pray for you, how we can help you know and serve Christ.